0: Now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards.
1: Greetings from the near frontier. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards here. And um, yes, family and friends, Miss E is with me once again. We are at the kitchen table. How you doing, dear?
2: I'm good, thank you. How are you?
1: I am excellent. You may hear some background noise. The uh, boys are counting our collected change. We've been throwing uh, all of our change into uh, a, a box, a cigar box, for the probably the past couple of years or so. The thing is overflowing, and it's our trampoline fund. So the boys are now suggesting that this become a PlayStation Four. Fund instead of a trampoline fund. I'm still kind of fond of the trampoline idea.
2: Well, I think we're still going to do the trampoline, but they have a point. It is coming into winter. A trampoline is only good for when the weather outside is nice. And a PlayStation 4 is good rain or shine.
1: Yeah, more rain than shine.
2: More cold than hot. And we're coming into winter.
1: (laughs) I know. But trampoline. I've always wanted a trampoline. No, we're
2: getting a trampoline. I just have to make sure that there's a trampoline that can hold our... Selves is in addition to our children.
1: <laughs> yes. That and and the the you know the, the forty acres is a beautiful place, uh full of rolling hills rolling. and pastures and woods. But the key word there is rolling, rolling hills. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's not really a lot of flat surfaces yeah, <laughs> on the forty acres. Yeah,
2: don't ask us about the pool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we tried.
2: I tried very hard. We have a
1: shallow end and a deep end there in, we our, go. in our above ground pool that's supposed to be level. That, whatever. Was
2: the, that was the, the that was the sweetest thing that anyone's child has ever said about our pool. We had a guest here, and they, that's why she liked it so much. It was because there was a shallow end and a deep end. And I went <laughs> – it was one of those slap-my-head moments because it's – yeah, it's supposed to be level. And I tried. I rented a, a sod cutter. I cut the top level of grass off. I had the dirt level. I had – I ordered sand in, I thought I leveled the sand. I put the pool up and – nah, even close. So whatever. It's been – what, now a year and a half? Almost two years?
1: Almost two years. So it's, been it's still yeah. standing. It is. It is. One support just a little
2: waggled, but uh, other well, than that. Well, that's because sure. I hit it with the riding lawnmower. <laughs> oh, that was you. Yeah. I took... I, it was between running over a floating thing because the one of the... The flotation, the pl- play things had fallen out of the pool. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and it was the big uh, 55 wide deck. And it was like, oh dear. And I cut it a little too close to the pool. And the very outside tire hit the very bottom of that post and pulled it out. And uh-huh. yeah, i stop and pull it back up and kick it back into place. But yeah, it pulled the plastic.
1: See, that was good. I was on the uh, mower for like four and a half hours this weekend. And I managed to not run over any extension cords or. Or any lawn implements. It was a uh, it was a good weekend. Uh, you were away this weekend. You went back back to the old homestead.
2: Yes, uh, because you had a change up of business plans. I was able to take advantage of the opportunity to escape and have someone watch all the animals.
1: <laughs> yes. Because
2: I can't ever leave the farm because there's always animals. Right. Um. Anyway, so yes, we I took the three youngest and we headed up back to the old homestead, and I have a great niece. And it was her first birthday, so we were able to go back and see her and her mother and uh, her grandmother, who is my sister, and that part of the family. Uh, And I also was happy because in addition to uh, going up, I was able to bring a delivery of the reason that we didn't do the podcast last week, because I was trying to get bacon smoked and everything kind of went away from me. Right. So I brought up some home-smoked, home-cured bacon and some kielbasa. And the, Im-
1: sorry, thought I was gonna sneeze. Sorry, go ahead. I'm fine. <laughs> Hate to interrupt, <laughs> kielbasi.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, so, anyways,
1: that'd be some of that change that we were talking about Being a earlier. Yeah.
2: Now they're trying to <laughs> estimate it with a scale. So good for them. I used to have to do inventory using uh, counting tiny electronic things with a scale. So I understand it. Anyway, back to the other. So the thing about the kielbasi is that. Um, when my great grandparents came over, they they settled in upstate Pennsylvania in the Wilkes Bar area. Okay, and they were Ukrainians, and uh, my great aunt was Polish, and there were some really great deli places up there, and there was some of the best Polish Kalbasi that you could ever imagine. And my chochi, which is aunt in Polish, um, who she married my father's father's brother. Uh, She would always send everybody home with a ring of kibasi from this place. And it's been that – I've been chasing this ghost in my smoked meats. Like if I can't get anything (laughs) else right, I have been really trying to make this kind of kibasi. And it's natural casing. It's smoky. It's really garlicky with nice flavorful meats and pieces of pork. And I didn't get it right last year. And I probably wouldn't have gotten it right this year if I didn't do some research on a website about, I think it's called sausagemaking.com, to be honest. Hmm. Um, but they had this, or or just look up the method for making smoked sausage. Because it's it's not just stuff the sausage casings, throw them in the smoker. There's a couple of steps in between. right? And I'm really glad that I found this out because, to be honest, it was like, it was like light shone down on my head and it was as if the skies parted and this was the right kind of kielbasa. Like I got it. So right. I really wanted to show it to So what are the extra steps? Okay. So you have to add uh, pink salt or sodium nitrite to the batch, but mm-hmm. it's in tiny amounts. You have to, once you get it put into the sausage casings, and I use natural casings, you actually have to let it sit out on the counter and dry for a few hours, like we do with the bacon. Okay. And the bacon, it forms a pellicle. I don't know what the term is for sausage, but it just says let it dry for a few hours. Okay. And then I smoked it at 100... I tried to keep the smoker temperature between 155, 160, because I needed to get the sausage only to 152 degrees. And I looped it on smoking sticks, and I just used oak dowels because they're really sturdy. But, but the trick after that was I would have just put it on the counter, let it cool off, and packaged it. But no, what this place said was as soon as it's 152 degrees, you need to get it as cold as – you need to get it down to 120 degrees as quickly as possible. So you plunge the sausages into ice water mm. until they cool down. And then you pat them dry and lay them out on the counter and dry them again so that they bloom before Hmm. you package them up. But I have to say, I've done it this way. We ate some fresh, and they were yummy. And then I did the whole step. I then vacuum sealed them and froze them and I pulled some out and pulled the casing off after it defrosted. It was really it was just like the sauce the capacity of my childhood. All I really needed was the horseradish that my grandfather my grandfather and my great uncle made and yeah. it would have been like I was at my Judge Pearl's <sighs> <froze> house in <sighs> upstate Pennsylvania. So I wanted to show that off to my family. Yeah. So I brought a cooler full of that, went to the party, uh, uh, met my aunt in the driveway. Uh, after hanging out with my sisters, but I gave her some, I gave my niece some, I gave my aunt and uncle some, I gave my other aunt some, I gave my dad some. Um, but the nice thing was, is that we spent the night at my father's house and then Sunday morning I made breakfast and I bought some, I brought up some farm fresh eggs and I brought up bacon and I confused my father by how I made bacon because he was a fry bacon kind of guy. Okay. And I bake ours. Mm-hmm. But it does. It we just had some fried tonight, and it's perfect. But when you're making it for a lot of people, it's a lot less messy to bake it.
1: Yeah, well, and with the American guinea hogs, like we were we talked about before, they're so fatty. They're so that fatty. Frying them just—it's it, a grease never splatter. It's—it's yeah. it's
2: like I, I walk out of the kitchen with like burns up and down my arms because of the splatters. Right. So that's why I went to baking. This is not as fatty because uh, it's Tamworth Berkshire, so it worked out better. But my dad liked the bacon he was surprised by the colors of the scrambled eggs and I explained that yeah farm fresh eggs have way yellower yolks but no it was a, it was a great trip um and then we got to stop by the best place to get cheeseburgers in cheesesteak cheese sorry to get the best place to get cheesesteaks in the no it's a tri-state area but I think growing up it was the mid-atlantic mm-hmm. but anyway it's South Jersey Philadelphia it's called Gaetanos.
1: Okay. And this is the best cheesesteak place. Oh yeah. I not worked Pat at one Troy's, of the not
2: uh eh, it, the, in Philly the argument is pats versus Gino's. Oh, Pats versus Gino's. Okay. Um and oh and the worst thing I did here though at Gaetano's is their cheesesteaks were always ever made with American cheese. Mm-hmm. You could get them with provolone and then they had a pizza steak that was sauce and mozzarella. Okay. But one of the cheese choices with whiz... With cheese whiz. With cheese whiz, and I just was like, the it was like every hair in <laughs> my body stood up on end because I was like, ew. I got ours with American." But they, they good, they're good. They pack them to travel. They put them in tins. They rack up. The, they wrap up the loaves in foil. So yeah, we had dinner for two nights off of three large cheesecakes.
1: They were huge. Oh,
2: they're like we. I fed, you weren't home for dinner one night, and the f- the four of us at home ate one large, and everybody was happy.
1: All right, what's the name of the place again?
2: It's Gaetano's.
1: All right, so if you're in the... And they have they have many locations throughout the Philly, Jersey...
2: Yes, I, I thought I remember hearing that they were in one of the sports arenas. They're all over South Jersey, uh, and it's G-A-E-T-A-N-O apostrophe S, Gaetano's.
1: All right. You happy to be back?
2: Oh, yeah. I love going to visit my family, <laughs> and I didn't mind the drive up. But the drive home was like, could there be any more bleep holes on the road that I had to be on? Like it was just like it doesn't matter where it, it's like that part of the world is always just bumper to bumper, no matter what time of the day it is, no matter what time of the year it is.
1: Right. People think they don't like DC if they if they ever have to visit, and they have to be in the traffic between like Baltimore and DC. They would despise it even more.
2: Yes, yes. That four ninety five corridor is like is like. The most whole. It's it's like it's like being caught being caught between the Scylla and Charybdis, (laughs) right? You can't get off and you can't stay on. There's no good thing. You just have to suck it up and go. Yeah. You just
1: know that you're going to get stuck in traffic. But
2: I have a really big truck and if I wasn't a nice law-abiding citizen, there were several occasions where I just wanted to ram into the first person in front of me (laughs) for just being so damn darn stupid. Sorry.
1: It's okay. I think you can say that. I think you can get away with that. Okay.
2: (laughs) Well, Especially I'm, talking about DC traffic, I suppose.
1: I'm glad that you're back too. Uh we had a good weekend, the animals and I, while you were gone.
2: Yeah, they were very all alive uneventful. when I got home and of you course. didn't lose any chickens. You make it
1: listen, it's forty acres in a fool, it's not forty acres in a complete and utter moron. I mean I I can <laughs> I can't handle these things. You know, I don't think we've actually ever lost Well, I take that back. There might have been a couple of chickens lost.
2: Yeah, but that wasn't really anything you could have done anything about anyway because those sly foxes are pretty nasty. Oh, and the chickens are driving me crazy because the new ones we got, Mm -hmm. every single time they go and lay an egg, they're either complaining about it or celebrating it, but they're making that (laughs) same car alarm alarm sound, which is freaking out the only rooster we have left, who seems like he's kind of stressed by being the only rooster because he seems to be losing feathers, and he's he's like freaking out about them. Freaking out about laying eggs. It's hilarious. Oh. Like so I've got my windows open in my office and it's like squawk, squawk, squawk and and now Bullet is knows the noise and he So he's he Oh, ooh, ooh He he needs to go outside. He he's never any use. Right. To be honest, when he goes outside. But he needs it. I know he he knows that I need to go outside and he knows that I get stressed out when I hear that sound, so he gets stressed too. But anyway, it's, yeah, seriously, I don't know whether they're, it's, well, I don't know. I Maybe it's like having a nine-pound baby every a, single laying day. Laying an egg? Right. <laughs> right. I think I'd be like, oh, ow! Yuck, that hurts. So, who knows? But, yeah, the new chickens are a little loud and kind of crazy about their egg laying. So, it's been kind of distracting this week.
1: Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. That's okay. <laughs> There's always something. There's always
2: something,
0: right?
1: All right, Lizzie, we're going to take a, a quick timeout. We have much more 40 Acres and a Fool coming up. So stick around. We'll be right back with more right after this.
0: 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. It's
1: that A number of students don't feel American, and they feel targeted and singled out by America Day all the crap that you could feel bad about going to school you know i see these flags everywhere i go i just feel
0: targeted targeted you know who's targeted the kids at the community college in oregon that's targeted that's real the morning blaze with doc and skip weekday morning six to nine eastern on the blaze radio network welcome back to 40 acres and a fool with cam edwards on the blaze radio network
1: Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool for the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards here with the lovely Miss E. And we have uh, added to the background noise a snoring dog underneath our feet at the table.
2: That's because I'm at this table. Because every day, if I'm at my office, at my desk, which is like like six feet from here, um, I have two snoring dogs at my feet all day long. They just lie there and snore. <laughs>
1: Apparently they didn't get enough of a nap today. I would like to also point out, I wish we had uh, the cameras like we do on NRA News Cam and Company. Actually, we'd have to clean off the kitchen table a little bit more if we had the cameras that we have on NRA News Cam and Company. But it is not often uh, that you actually hear a radio show where one of the uh, the hosts is knitting... Uh, as they are actually hosting the show, I understand that Mark Levin sometimes uh, will knit, and I i think Glenn Beck might uh, crochet on occasion. Does he really, but uh, I, I, I've heard that. Actually, Glenn has cameras too, so he might have to keep his crocheting to the <laughs> commercial breaks. But uh, you, are, you are were you were knitting to add to the awesomeness of Miss E here, because we've already talked about the cooking skills, the uh, farming skills. Um, you knit as well, and you're a very, very good kn- – I mean you're an amazing knitter.
2: Actually, I'm, I'm, um, I'm working on my master knitter certification this year, level one. So I'm actually, a, I'm actually a pretty good knitter. But I learned to crochet when I was like eight, and then I learned to croch- – I could learn to cro- knit right after. But crocheting is so much faster, and I was an impatient child, so I like to crochet things. But then I got older, and I liked the sophistication of knitted garments better than crocheted things. But this, the 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 what I'm working on now is it's called a Turkish bed sock. You can get the pattern at churchmouseyarns.com. It's a cute little half sock. It take it took me a day to make one yesterday, so I'm working on the second one. But the but it's it's in sort of response to I got tagged on a social media site from a friend of mine who is a really awesome... She taught me how to butcher hogs. She has shown me... And, and goats. She has shown me how to make kinds of cheeses. And she lets me shoot her guns. But she doesn't know how to knit or crochet or sew. And so she saw this thing on uh, Pinterest. And she tagged me and said she thought it would be cute for her granddaughter. And they're called... There were they're these, they're, they're these things called shark socks... And you can look it up on Etsy. You have mm-hmm. to buy the pattern. but They, they're look, they're
1: called, they're cool. they look like they're sharks they eating look like
2: your feet. Sh- like, they, really, they look like yeah. sharks eating your feet. If you look it up, like I said, shark socks on Etsy. You can buy the pattern, but they're a crocheted pattern. It's crazy because you knit the whole thing in one piece and fold it and sew it. And all of a sudden you have this you know, shark eating your foot. And so I made a pair for her granddaughter and I made a pair for her daughter and I posted the pictures and now everybody on the planet wants a pair of these, but I haven't made myself anything in a really long time. And I got this really pretty green variegated yarn from uh, the Mean Girls Yarn Club and it's a sock yarn. And I was like, I'm going to make myself something first. But the the people the woman at the post office because mm-hmm. I showed her the package before I mailed it off to my friend's granddaughter, she told me her son her grandson is crazy into sharks so he's the next one who gets a pair he's five, oh, and that's he loves nice. sharks and I really like the people at our post office
1: now see that right there is is quintessential small town America you are making a pair of socks for the grandson of, of the woman who works, who works at the, at the, the post office. office
2: well she's paying me. But I'm oh. not also not going to charge well, her what I charge like go. somebody that's, told me.
1: That's Rockwellian, small-town America with a dash of American capitalism thrown in to Well, boat.
2: it's not like she can give me free stamps. Like, so, no, you that's know. true. <laughs> we that's could do barter, it would be awesome.
1: That's true. I don't know that you could barter for stamps, but I'm sure that you could barter knitted goods for something.
2: Oh, yeah, but the problem with home knitted goods is that... People don't realize how much yarn costs and how much time is actually in it. And a lot of times they'll go to a farmer's market or a store and they sort of balk at the price. But then they really need – what they need to do is look around and see how much that yarn costs and what the the complication of the pattern is Mm -hmm. and how much time it might take. And then say, ooh, I can't do that anyway, so I should just buy it. Really.
1: Right. Or they could just, you know – Learn to do it. Learn to do it or they decide they're not going to get the handmade stuff. They're going to get the machine-made stuff. Exactly. Right.
2: But the thing is, is that, yeah, if you you really appreciate the homemade stuff uh, when you know how to make things. But the – so the granddaughter and the daughter was – they were both tickled pink. The little girl was – I think she's two. With the shark socks. With the shark socks. I was sent a video and she was just like stomping around like – Flash dance, just dancing around like crazy, <laughs> stomping around her foot. She was—that was who we were dancing, and she was just giggling because these sharks were eating. Sharks were eating her feet, so it was adorable.
1: That is, oh, that's good. All right, sorry, just a little distracted here by the uh, children walking around the the kitchen table. You can tell them, hey, this is very serious business. We're recording a podcast here, and yep. yet.
2: Everything else is more serious because it's them, because they're children and they're sort of self-centered in that regard.
1: Yeah, like 99%. It. Actually, our our kids were good uh, up in New, up in New Jersey, right?
2: Oh, everybody was really well-behaved and it was, it was cute because I think it was... Um,
1: this was after a long car ride up there, too.
2: Yes. Long car ride, uh, not too many stops. We went right to the party location and it was a bunch of strangers because it's... You know they know their cousins and their aunt, right? But this is their 26 year old cousins, co workers, and friends, and her that her side, her that other side of the family all present for the one year old's birthday party. But it was so cute because they were both so good with the baby. It was kind of funny that the uh, kid number four. He does not really like little children, and he was Mm. sitting on the floor playing a game with the baby, and he was really good with her even though he said she was, quote-unquote, exhausting him. (laughs) Right?
1: Uh, Yeah, kid number four is a pretty good vocabulary.
2: (laughs) But uh, kid number five, um, my aunt uh, uh, wrote me today, and she was like, oh, I would really love to get to know my niece. Uh, Do you think she would like to be my pen pal? And I said, "And yeah, they're, so they're going to be pen pals. Oh, cool. Like so, actual
1: physical letters? Yeah,
2: I'm going to make kid number five write letters. Nice. So I think it's a good practice. I wrote letters to my grandmother all the time, and I wrote letters to my aunt and uncle. So, yeah, I think a letter writing thing is a good thing. It works because they don't teach handwriting in her school. They don't teach cursive. So I'm going to teach her cursive, and then she can use that skill to write letters.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I actually saw something on Twitter the other day. There's a, there's a, a group – uh, that is promoting the teaching of cursive.
2: Because you cannot read historic documents unless you can read cursive. Right. And historic documents. Because, to be honest, like S's or F's and there are other letters that were substituted in, in historic documents that would be a little confusing, but mm-hmm. it's totally confusing if you can't read cursive.
1: Yeah, isn't that amazing, though, that uh, you know, we actually have to think about this sort of stuff now, right?
2: I ha- I got I remember clearly in fifth grade having handwriting as oh, yeah. a subject. Oh Oh, I had horrible
1: I had, penmanship scores. I, well,
2: you were le- You're left-handed, uh-huh. and so it was kind of like it's a given. Every left-handed person I know doesn't have great penmanship. Right, but this
1: was my great struggle throughout school was the fact that you know I, I would get decent grades, and then my penmanship, no, you know. always always use always unsatisfactory.
2: I had straight A's and everything, and then here I got a I have a D in, <laughs> in handwriting. <laughs> And my father and my grandfather were both not. Oh, look at all the A's! They were both. What's this deal about? And I was like, Well, I'm going to be a doctor anyway, because in my brain, <laughs> doctors didn't really need to have good handwriting, right? Because so, the you prescriptions know, right. are always horrible. You can never read their
1: handwriting. We really are. I think in in some ways, I'm concerned that we're raising a a generation of morons because you know they're not going to be able to read cursive. They're not going to be able to figure out fractions by just looking at numbers and figuring out in their heads. They're going to have to like go. I need I need blocks. I need blocks to look at. I need to go and, and yeah. organize things in groups of ten. I, I can't just do, think of this, this in group. my brain.
2: I know that's that's the thing that's right me because even with uh, the lessons that we're doing at home, it's like, well, wait a minute. Why do I have to teach my kid to do arts and crafts in order to figure out how to do a math lesson? No, I'm teaching them how to do math. If if, if arts and crafts is really in the the standardized testing, then you guys all have a problem. Yeah, I
1: mean, like multiplication tables are are seen as somehow outdated or a bad thing, right? They like they, they don't, don't want they the don't kids to learn rote. multiplication no, tables. No, it's
2: not a rote thing. It's like it's almost like rote memorization is necessary in math, but the the newest math concepts are all about, "Hey, let's teach you the easy way." But the easy way is not the easy way if it adds 15 steps to figure out how to get the the answer.
1: Right? I, I thought
2: calculus and trigonometry were complicated or even, you know, yeah, no, calculus and linear algebra because it literally took 15 steps to get to the answer. To to add 32 and 15, it Shouldn't take the whole bunch of steps, but they like round this up and round mm-hmm. this down and tally mark and make a little grid on this <laughs> centimeter checkmark paper and, and do all this and then jump through a hoop, flaming and douse yourself and and do a sword swallow and oh and you got did you get five six yay I mean seriously <laughs> it's, it's really ridiculous
1: isn't there something about uh, a, a, you know drinking a cup of tea and then looking at the leaves and uh, if if there are you know leaves pointed in a northerly direction it means Five six, and it was in a westerly direction, or is that?
2: I don't know. Way back in uh, when I lived in a in a in an interesting neighborhood in uh, the ta- the the state where I grew up, I had a woman read my cigarette.
1: <laughs> she, <laughs> she read your cigarette. We've talked about she this was before. From this, was, this was Camden. Yeah,
2: she, we can we can okay. we
1: can we can reveal that. I've well, talked to about was, you living in Camden up on the show. Yeah,
2: this was in Camden, and she was um, she was from Puerto Rico. And it was a, a, it was like a, it was like a, not quite a cigar cigarette. It was like a long cigarette, like a cigarillo. but a cigarillo kind of thing. And and if you take a, I got sick. I I probably should have just like whatever. I think they go on the hallucination part of the people who can't handle the tobacco. Like you're going to be <laughs> kind of dizzy and un, susceptible to ideas. But it was so she could read how the ash burned. But then again, I went to the Bahamas and I could read people's palms <laughs> a couple of. Yeah, How accurate was
1: the uh, was the cigarillo reading? Do you remember?
2: Nah, nah, not at all. Two kids, happily married. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, they got that wrong, didn't they?
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> they got happily married after the second marriage and three extra kids, maybe. But, yeah, no, they didn't quite get that right. <laughs> all
1: <laughs> right, well, uh, I can foretell the future, and it looks like there's a commercial break coming up very shortly. <gasps>
2: Look at that, and I can finish my row.
1: All right, we'll be uh, right back with more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network
0: right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Box Sexton. What is he talking about? Pushed away out of population centers? The counteroffensive in Ramadi in Iraq completely sold. What is he talking about? And by the way, what has stopped the Islamic State is not
1: us or our coalition. It is the Kurds, the Shia
0: Iraqi government and Shia militias, the Assad regime, and Turkey. Buck Sexton, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Plays Radio Network.
1: So ordinarily, this would be the uh, segment of the show where I would talk about the book that I've been reading, and according to a uh, family member, uh, I would ramble a bit about uh, history, <clears throat> but I'm not going to do that this week, A uh, primarily because I, I, I'm still reading uh, the same book that I was reading last week. I, I uh, stumbled on an 800-and-some-odd-page book about the Spanish Civil War, and I, I won't even pretend to uh, be able to give any details. So I won't bore you with that uh, this week, Mom-in-law, but
0: uh,
1: <laughs> we do still have Missy with us on the program. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: Probably, my mom's <laughs> no, like, no, laughing right now. I hope like, she oh, I, I hope. I'm sorry. I, I hope live. my
1: mother-in-law is <laughs> laughing right now. I thought this was funny. Well, you know, so it, it, it it's cute because, you know, uh, We have family. We have friends. We have folks who uh, uh, listen and watch to entertainers, Cam and company, uh, who who you tune in each and every week. But we have a sizable contingent of family members, and this is sort of like the weekly phone call from home of "Hey, here's what's going on." And so there are all these groups. Like we want to hear more about the family stuff. We want to hear more recipes. We want to hear more. You know, each group has its own. We want more. And apparently, my mother-in-law wants less history. That was the one, like, oh, I, I like it, but man, so-. my father-in-law—he step- got hooked. He yeah. likes it. Yeah, he likes he this. He, he
2: was like, "Ooh, something else," because he was always the history buff when I was growing up. So yeah, <laughs> mother in
1: but he kind of rambles a little bit about <laughs> history sometimes.
2: <laughs> it's a little bit. It's all right. She still loves you. It's all good. And
1: I still love her too. And listen, it's it's not rambling. It's just. Oh, but I have He's a just recipe a story. I have an easy
2: recipe this week, yeah, so uh, your coworker gave us like a bunch of venison cleaning out his freezer because it's hunting season mm-hmm. and I was looking around online and I found a recipe, and I kind of read about it and so I just took a shoulder. I don't really remember how big it was, like three to four pounds. Mm-hmm. I put it in the crock pot in the wee early hours of the morning, seven thirty ish. Um, I added dehydrated garlic flakes and dehydrated onion flakes, some water and a dark beer. And it was all to cover. So I actually had to, at one point, like cut into the shoulder and, and crack open a bone so I could fit it into the crock pot. I have a little old, my crock, I, I I sold my crock pot for my mom. It's like 30 something years (laughs) old, but it still works, but it's high and low. But anyway, so I put this on the counter on low all day. And uh towards the end of the day for service, I shredded it, pulled out the bones and all the yucky bits, and added some wondra flour that I added with some water because usually I would make a roux with flour and water and then add the juice in the the, the juices in and then stir it back in to make a gravy. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have any butter. Like I actually ran out of butter. Like in our house, Running out of butter is tantamount to running out of toilet paper. It's It, a, it never happens. I know. But I ran out of butter, so I had to use my imagination. But with Wonder Flour, it's nice because you add uh, two tablespoons of flour to a quarter of a cup of water, and it's enough to make about a cup and a half of broth thickened enough to make a gravy. So I was able to do that, but then you had to turn up the crock pot and cook it out. Not only was it a really yummy dinner. I made homemade hamburger rolls. We had like these venison gravy shredded beef sandwich bits. Mm-hmm. I was pleased as punch last night how well it turned out for dinner. I was even more pleased when the kid who doesn't like to eat anything had seconds asked for that for right. dinner. Like we were just doing tonight, sandwiches he asked for tonight. It for dinner, right? like, tonight I said, well, we can do leftovers. You can have a venison sandwich or you could have ham and cheese. And two out of the three kids wanted ham and cheese, and he was like, oh, "I want that venison from last night." Like so, <laughs> it
1: I, was listen. It was really good, and the 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 hamburger roll was really hearty, and so it it, it stood up to the the gravy. Yeah, uh, and even with some bread taken out, it was almost like a bread bowl sandwich. Yeah, with, cause, with the venison inside. <laughs>
2: so the weird thing about this is is I bought this six bun. Hamburger roll pan from King Arthur Flour. Mm. But if you go on their website to get the hamburger run bun recipe, it makes eight. Oh. So we have supersized <laughs> big buns in our house. So yeah, so what I have to do is you have to scoop a little bread at the bottom and scoop a little out of the top. So you have like this bread bomb package mm. filled with shredded venison and gravy yeah. and it was awesome it's it like, was seriously I, I, listen that and it was, that was the first time I ever did venison
1: and it was amazing but the uh, the the bread itself i think almost in that configuration you could do like a uh deconstructed chicken pot pie almost and put that into a roll. like There's a lot that you could do with that roll because it was so hearty and substantial. And the
2: other thing I was thinking is the next time do the same thing with the venison but leave out the dark beer and just let it go, kind of go in water and shred it and stir it back into barbecue sauce. That would be good too. And a little bit of coleslaw mm-hmm. in that roll. I think it would be awesome. But it was a really easy recipe. Just look up uh, I think hamburger buns on the King Arthur Flour website. It's It's just a couple of ingredients. But you really have to know how to bake bread to follow the recipe because they kind of give the ingredients in this crazy random order that doesn't make sense. So you have to have a little bit of bread knowledge to follow this recipe.
1: Okay. Be warned.
2: Well, yeah, because they sort of just the – first, the first step is combine all the ingredients. But when you bake bread, you actually have to put the yeast in the water, add the sugar, let it proof, add the flour – Add the – in this case, it's an egg and some butter and then add the salt last mm. because the salt will counter affect the effects of the yeast. If you put it in too early, it will kill the yeast. But this recipe doesn't indicate that at all. So
1: So the recipe is for those who have made bread before. Who have made
2: bread before and know what you should do first, second, and third sort of thing. So, okay. But it still turns out really good if you know how to break bread. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we should come up, I need to come up with my own, like, well, this is how you make these. You've
1: had, you know, we've had a request that um, we need a, a homestead cookbook for Missy.
2: We've had those requests and then we've had, when I was pushing your book, mm-hmm. a, a, an old friend of ours both said, I said jokingly, I need to write a, you know, a farm romance novel. Now I need to get up with, with Cam and write a book. And right. And he says, I think you should write about your own life. And I'm like... Not yet, but I have had the idea. <laughs> but I like the idea of a cookbook. I have a black, falling apart uh, artist sketchbook that I picked up at, like, Michael's a million years ago. And I just write down or paste in. And then when I when I find recipes, it's, it's like the pirate rule. They're more guidelines than actual rules sometimes. So as long as it's not baking, you can tweak them. And so I have a lot of that stuff going on too. So yeah, I, I probably have enough for a for a farmstead cookbook now because I've been like making pork always, like every way I can make it. We've had pork egg rolls and pork um, potstickers and pork sausage with. Um, sausage gravy and biscuits and pork chops don't go all, and don't go all
1: Don't go all Forrest Gump. I'm like mommy, all like. Forrest
2: Gump on the pork <laughs> right now. But that's because that's what my freezer has. And the venison. So, oh, I had, a, I had an idea though about the venison steaks. Yeah. Chicken fry.
1: Hmm. That might not be too bad. Because
2: now I've had like, I was kind of Trepidations about venison because mm. I've heard it's kind of tough, it's kind of this, kind of that. Because there's no there's no fat right on a deer, like literally. There's it's but it's kind of like goat. So I could either try to use the venison and make some gyro meat, but we have steaks, and I was thinking I could pound them thin and chicken fry them.
1: I would think, yeah, I would think the chicken fried venison would probably be better than the venison gyro.
2: You'd be surprised. I think uh, to me the goat and the venison isn't that big of a difference. Really? Cuz the goat's red meat.
1: Oh, I know, the goat's red meat.
2: And to most people don't like lamb because that there's a funk in the fat. So but anyway, so yeah. So my next brainchild for the venison steaks is to make chicken fry. All right i look forward to eating that mashed potatoes but i don't think i can do white gravy i just
1: and it won't be our own potatoes unfortunately right oh
2: yeah i i planted two big beds of a couple of different types of potatoes and as they got taller i put dirt on and straw and everything else to try to get the potato plants to go and today i got a wild hair and thought "Ooh, let me go check the potato beds and got a bunch of dirt underneath my fingernails and didn't find one... S-
1: not one not single potato. Not one
2: single potato. Any of the three types in one bed or the fingerlings in the other. Wow. I don't know whether I have to dig deeper because we piled so much dirt on top of the plants that they might have gone even further down. And yeah. I need to get out there with I a I mean, fork. there was
1: plenty of plants. There that's the a, thing. That's
2: the thing. It's like I had a ton, ton of plants. And I was like, oh, I've got to cover them up. I should have had way more potatoes. I was really, really bummed today. Like I had a lot of, I still have tomatoes and I still have one habanero pepper plant that is still popping out peppers. I have lost count of how many quarts of peppers I have fermenting.
1: Well over a dozen.
2: Well over a dozen. Uh, And that's going to be the big guy everybody gets for Christmas. (laughs) After I get your friend to taste test it because he was the one who was my biggest cheerleader last year.
1: Oh yeah, well, yeah, the, the the hot sauce as we've talked about is uh, becoming well known throughout Southside Virginia.
2: Hey. I got to have something. I can't do tomatoes. I've, I've I've I'm cutting my losses on being the cherry tomato farmer right now. Because of the blight that we had that was so widespread because I was trying to be a cherry grape and salad at tomato farmer, so we had like, I don't know what, 24 beds. 27. All over the various places in the garden, mm-hmm. all got blight. Mm-hmm. And from my research, I cannot use those for one to two years. So I can't even rotate anything else into those beds. That's remotely related to that. So a uh, big plan is to pull out of the posts, pull out the tomato plants, rototill the whole thing, just demolish it, restart, plant corn, maybe do the three sisters, and then put a normal pe- person's garden out near the orchard.
1: Yeah, this is where we're still in a bit of a discussion because we had too big a garden this year. We couldn't take care of it all. So I yeah. don't I don't see the need of having all of a sudden now two garden spaces that we're not going to be able to take care of. Well,
2: no, the thing about corn is th- that we like to eat corn. Yeah. And every stalk of corn only gives you two or three cobs, which is maybe one meal. For mm-hmm. our family. Mm-hmm. So I would like to have... It, then, therefore, you would have to have a couple of rows. Mm-hmm. No, I understand. And that area I would the be the good for it.
1: You, yeah, I understand. But it's still... To me, we were not able to take care of that space this year. It got out of control. So well, to say, well, we're still going to have stuff in that space, it's just going to be different stuff, but it's still going to need to be weeded. It's, it's going to be smaller And it's
2: not going to be raised garden beds this year either. It's right. going to be a flat space with corn. I. It's this is, not going to be that hard. Okay. Okay. And then it's going to be smaller anyway because we're just going to do the probably the first two rows like we did last year with the the beets and the carrots and the and the onions. They did really well. Not have as many tomatoes because I need to really have like the peas and the green beans and the um well, not lima beans cuz none of us eat them, but you know what I mean? Like right. the the normal vegetables that go up in a family dinner thing. And corn is a big part of our dinner thing. And The nice thing about corn is that we also have livestock, so the chickens and the goats and the hogs will also eat any extra that we don't. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, I I get all that. I just am still not convinced that uh, we're going to be able to manage more garden space, considering we couldn't keep up with what we had now. It's
2: actually not going to be more garden space. It's going to be a couple of rows of corn and then manageable vegetables, the smaller stuff next to the orchard. Like, a bed of this, a bed of that, or a bed of that. Like, not, like, 20-something beds of tomatoes.
1: You say now. It's fall. Wait till spring comes.
2: No, I want... <laughs> I want... I want a couple of beds of the tomatoes that I used to make sauce. I want one just... Seriously, just of the sun golds. I could eat them all day and every day, and they could be my only tomato. But I also like... A slicing tomato for sandwiches. So there's one other bed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we also have to have beans and peas, and I want to try uh, to, to grow soybeans because I love to eat edamame.
1: We tried this year, but they got eaten.
2: We didn't do the edamame. They didn't get planted.
1: Oh, I thought they did, they got they got nibbled on by rabbits very early on.
2: Uh, that was last year, and the nibbling was the, the bok choy. We didn't plant any – no, we planted a type of bean and, yeah, the something ate all of the plants in that bed as well as the cucumbers. But I don't – I'm not too sure if it was soybeans or not. Yeah, it was did, edamame. I think it was edamame.
1: Because that was the one soybean that we planted because I remember we were disappointed that uh, it got eaten. Oh, that's right. We,
2: we, you're right. We tra- I, I get confused. It was in the, t- it was in the c- bed with cucumbers on one side right. and the edamame in another. But, yeah, like all of the wonderful transplants were completely – Bitten down to nothing, like two of my apple trees.
1: I know. I discovered that this weekend as I was. Uh, well, at least one of the them orchard. has
2: some leaf still mm-hmm. on a branch, but.
1: Well, this is kind of our fault. There, you know, it is the time of year, and these are lovely little trees that deer like to nibble on and we
2: need to just shoot them I'm like seriously <laughs> now see the nice easier thing about said it, than done. well i know easier because I, I can't be out there 24 7 but mm. the nice thing about the, the the hunting laws are that you can it doesn't matter if there are deer eating your food mm. you can still go ahead and get mm. rid of them
1: yeah you just have to be in an area where you can shoot safely which Cuts Which out is, about half of our property. I mean, again, it's, it's no, easier I, said than done.
2: It works if we're sitting in the front it's, yard. What's actually easier? <laughs> what's
1: actually easier to do, I think, than uh, to try to kill off all of the deer that are eating the trees, is to simply uh, put some fencing around the trees so the deer can't get to the trees until they're big enough that uh, that they're not going to be
2: destroyed. Yeah, but I've already lost. Now I've lost two out of the nine, so it's going to be building fencing around. Trees, so but the problem is is like we've got some that go all the way out and some that don't, so it's gonna be we have a couple of the apple trees that are just sticks because mm. they're so young right so it's gonna be really easy to to draw just put a tube up, but then we have some that are actually like kind of wide uh cactus sort of shape like they have a, a central thing and they have like the, the big wide arms around them so it's it's yeah it, we're, we're gonna have to do some special defense treating. Unfortunately.
1: Unfortunately. But we'll keep aiming for the deer too. All right, listen, we have to take a uh, another time out. When we come back, we've got some of your thoughts, so stick around. There's more. Forty Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network coming up after this.
0: Forty Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. What must each candidate either do and or avoid having happen in order for the news coverage to say that they did well? Because the best you can do is is news coverage immediately following and social media and other media drawing a consensus about who did well, who did poorly. Jay Severin, weekdays 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Thanks so much for being a part of this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards along with Miss E. And checking in with some of you. Douglas wrote in says, Cam, I do like the 40 Acre Podcast and eagerly await new episodes each week. Cannot write about any adventures I've had with modern gardening or farming. I don't have a garden now, and all of my gardening experiences were watching my mother with her vegetable gardens at our suburban home in the former farming community of Wheat Ridge, a Denver suburb in Colorado. Douglas says, while well, he could write a few tales about the need for crop rotation and cl- corn planting times. I'm not sure how interesting secondhand stories would be. Well, you heard the uh, we might be in need of some corn planting stories, Douglas, so uh, send them our way. <laughs> uh, Douglas says, I also enjoy the episodes in which Miss E talks about anything she does, food-wise or otherwise, I kind of wish I was close enough geographically and a good enough friend to experience her milestone birthday party in person. <laughs> uh, Douglas says, however, that would probably involve violating a promise I made to myself 30 years ago when I was laid off from my first job out of college, which had taken me to Connecticut. Douglas says, I swore then I would never take a job east of the Kansas, Colorado border. He says, it's been fairly easy to stick with that resolution primarily because I'm a mineral, pro- I'm a mineral processing engineer. And there aren't many mines left in the east. Although, the, you're right, although there is a uh, a mine, Douglas, not far from Farmville, the uh, Kyanite
2: mine. So, and uh, it's one of the last places in the United States where you can get that. Right? And there are apparently 300 years' worth of that left, according to the ladies I took a cake decorating class with. Yeah. Least, well, two of them worked at the mine.
1: Mm. Uh, Douglas says, the main reason I am uh, writing to you at this address, couldn't find an email link or address of the NRA News Cam and Company site, Uh, All you have to do, uh, Douglas, we are working on getting the Ask Cam button back on a a 24-hour basis. It is live during the show, but uh, Ask Cam, A-S-K-C-A-M, at uh, NRAnews.com works as well. Uh, Douglas says, uh, but now you know this email address too, Douglas, so feel free to keep emailing me here. Uh, Douglas says, since there's been talk of amending the first two amendments uh, over the last several months, I have a suggestion to alter the First Amendment. Given that we have been operating under the Constitution since 1789, about 226 years, we really should all have the necessary parts for or we we should have all the necessary parts for a federal government. So I suggest truncating the First Amendment to Congress will make no law. <laughs> This would leave Congress to work out budgets, oversee the executive branch, including pruning departments, evaluating presidential actions for advice and consent, and maybe start reviewing all laws passed in the last 200 years and repealing most of them.
2: Yeah, might work. (laughs) I doubt it. But that means that you'd actually have to do some work.
1: You know, Douglas, if you listen to our news camera company, it sounds like you do. You know we've been talking about this quite a bit, about how lawmakers make laws. That's what they do, right? And so when a lawmaker says, we have to do something, what they mean is, uh, we have to make a law. And then I can say, ha-ha, I've done something. I love the idea. Um, I don't know how likely it is that the First Amendment is going to be amended to simply stop with the Congress will make no law. It's probably more likely in this political environment that uh, the First Amendment would simply be repealed. But I do like the idea, and there have been some state legislatures, uh, I think, that have actually done this. They've set a goal of for every law that they pass, they take a law off the books. I cannot remember the state that is doing this, but but there have been some legislative efforts in that regard saying we don't want to have this, this over-criminalization, this overlawed lawed society. Um, and I really like that idea.
2: I, I do, too, because um, you've turned our youngest son on to the bathroom readers.
1: Oh, yes, Uncle John's bathroom reader. Yes,
2: and he comes in at random times. With trivia, and some of them are some of the really weirdest laws on the planet. Like you're not allowed to tie your alligator to a fire post in Florida, and you can't. And like, and he says, "Why would they make a law like that?" I'm like, "Well, somebody somewhere did it once, right?" And rather than just saying that to that person, "Yeah, don't do that," they thought it necessary to make a law, but it probably only ever happened the once.
1: Exactly. Douglas says, I hope things continue well for you, and uh, someday soon I want to write Cam and Company about the Arveda Rifle and Pistol Club and the miracles, Doug puts in quotes, that have saved and vastly improved the club. Doug, I'd love to hear it, sir, and thank you very much for uh, for writing in. Also, uh, Tim says your bacon sounds delicious. What kind of smoker do you use? Uh, Tim, we use the smoker that we found on clearance at Tractor Supply, so it is the uh, standard Tractor Supply. Uh, I can't even remember the brand name now, but it's the.
2: I can go outside and look, but it's just a little electric rectangular box. Yeah,
1: it's nothing special.
2: No, it was like a hundred and it was less than one hundred and fifty bucks on clearance. Yeah, and, and it it's is even one hundred less than one hundred fifty bucks regular price.
1: And it is an election, or an electric. election, an election smoker. It is an electric smoker exactly. Yes,
2: and you have to only have it while you're using it. Like we have outdoor plugs. But when we plug the smoker in, we have to unplug the pool because <laughs> you can only have the smoker running at one time on right, the outlet.
1: To the pump on the uh, above-ground pool.
2: Turn We have to turn it off. Yeah. But that's a small sacrifice to pay for really yummy bacon and ham.
1: I will take it any day. Brian uh, writing in as well, talking last week about the New York Times. Uh, uh, 27 Ways of, of Modern Manliness. Uh, we talked about this a little bit with uh, Jim Gary. Did you see this piece? I
2: saw that piece and I shared it with pe- pe- my friends who are females and adults and we all found that their idea of manliness more equaled the word that you would apply to a cat.
1: <laughs> they 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 did not find this to be a particularly manly list.
2: No, it was not a manly list. Uh-huh. It was a kind of a girly man list. And
1: this was these were women that you were talking. to? These
2: were yeah, yeah. women of my 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 social circle, my right. age. Like I post, I shared this story on Facebook, and they were like, "Yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> That's not a manly list." Yeah, I was
1: gonna say. I think I think even and I realized that wasn't geared towards you know necessarily our generation, but I think even even millennial women. You deserve more than than what's on that list. Anyway, Brian said uh, maybe I have an odd view of manliness, being raised by a single mom. But it strikes me that being a man is pretty simple. You keep your word. You solve problems. You carry yourself with self respect. You treat others the same. Never throw the first punch, but throw the last one. And that's Brian, how I,
2: that's how I taught. That's how I taught my kids when I was a single mom. So yay to go, Brian.
1: And uh, Brian says I'd also like to say I'm a hell of a cook, but I'm pretty sure I don't own a melon baller. And if I'm engaging someone in hand-to-hand combat in my bedroom, my wife won't be running away. She'll be circling behind him. Fair fights are for those modern types, I guess. (laughs) Brian says, the uh, whole discussion puts me in a mind of the Heinlein quote, a human being should be able to change a diaper, plan an invasion, butcher a hog, con a ship, design a building, write a sonnet, balance accounts, build a wall, set a bone, comfort the dying, take orders, give orders, cooperate, act alone, solve equations, analyze a new problem, pitch manure, program a computer, cook a tasty meal, fight efficiently, die gallantly. Specialization is for insects.
2: Yes. (laughs) I'm totally stealing that because I'm like, uh uh uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Yes. So rock on, Brian.
1: You need to work on the uh, take orders a bit, I think, and I don't believe yet that you've written a sonnet.
2: I did, in college. Did so, you? Ha! All right. I And wait to die
1: gallantly for a long time, okay?
2: I Well, that's not happened for a and really, really a long shipped.
1: time. I don't think you've conned a ship.
2: Kind of, when I told them to stop moving out because I had to throw up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you're like 90% there, then I guess.
2: That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you, you don't know all about me. <laughs> I'm not
1: quite sure... <laughs> Stop or I'm going to vomit is the same as conning a ship. It works. uh,
2: (laughs) I made them do what I wanted. (laughs) All right. That's conning.
1: Aye, aye. Aye, aye. Captain. Captain.
2: Anyway, Brian, thank you
1: very much. That was an awesome email, and uh, I I really appreciate that uh, Miss Eve will be stealing the Heinlein quote. Hopefully that – it's a little long for a tattoo, though.
2: No, no. Just so you know. Maybe a a simpler in the –
1: there you go, a cross-stitch. I'll do
2: a cross-stitch sampler for the office.
1: Oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> that would be
2: fantastic. And and yes, I used to do cross-stitch for money. Really? Yeah, I. it's one of those weird things, like you have a job sort of thing that never actually happens. But way back, way before I met you, I was sitting at one of my jobs where I had to fill in for the receptionist, and I was doing a cross-stitch sampler for a friend. It was a baby sampler, and this woman came to me and she says, oh, "I started, uh, uh, and it, it was called a. It's a stamp kit, so you can buy uh, at any craft store a craft kit that has a design that's sort of stamped into it, and you just have to use your thread and follow the lines. And so she did all that, but then there was a big empty space where she was supposed to put put the person's name, and. There were no lines for her to follow. So okay. she was like, oh, I don't know how to do this. So I did that and I charged her. And then somebody else saw me working on that and said, oh, I, have an, I have a great niece or a niece coming. Could you make me this one with this information? I was like, yeah, sure. So the next thing I cranked out was a, a sampler with that person's personalized information. So, yeah, I had, I, I've done all of sewing for money very handy i did a wedding i did a i did a house i did a bedroom yeah i i yeah i'm pretty handy
1: 90 percent there to be a uh all the things that a human being needs to know how to do exactly and if Heinlein knew how good a cross-stitcher you were he probably would have included that on the list too
2: but i can butcher and I can make some really good sausage. So there you go.
1: She can bring home the bacon. I can bring it home. And o- fry it up in a pan. I
2: can bring it home. I can raise it on a pasture. I could butcher it. I could turn it into bacon. And then I can fry it in a pan. So even better. I got like the beginning to end.
1: Well, unfortunately, it is uh, time for us to put the kids to bed. But uh, we'll be back with more tales of awesomeness from Miss E next week. And your thoughts as well. The email address is 40acrefool at gmail.com, 40 fool at gmail.com. We'd love to hear how your fall is going, if the uh, deer are eating any of uh, your your trees or what's left of your garden, or if you, in fact, are eating the deer. (laughs) Hopefully you have a, a fantastic week. Until we talk again, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, and we'll see you here soon on another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network.
0: You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.